This is uh, Jesus, Spirit of the Lord, speaking to Sharon's pen. When I walked the earth, every unclean thing that I touched became clean because I could not be defiled. In the same way, when you bring me your problem and you release it into my hands, the problem becomes transformed by my touch. The key is that you have to let it go from your hands into mine. Mm -hmm. It's not a problem to me once it becomes mine. It becomes the building block for the solution. God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out his spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring and we equip for that outpouring that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. Today we're switching things around a little bit as I'm going to interview Sharon. And we're going to be asking her questions about her book that she has written a few years ago called Rich Wounds, An Eternal Perspective on Suffering. So welcome to the podcast today. Before we get started, we just want to remind you, if you haven't already done so, to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, where you can see uh, our podcast player and scroll down through our podcast in case, of course, you can do that on your favorite platform too, if you're already using Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or some other platform. But we want to also let you know you can see things about our coming events and read our blogs and donate and all sorts of things that you can do on our website. And uh, we have an event coming up that is about this book that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I was given a challenge to do a webinar on this, to teach on this book. And I've, I've actually never taught it. I wrote it several years ago mm -hmm. and have never taught a thing about it. I just obeyed the Lord as he prompted me to get into print what I had been I'd been mulling about for about 20 years. Wow. Uh huh. This is a subject that people don't want to hear. Yeah, that's You don't want to hear anything about suffering. says, no, nope, that's not for me. I've suffered enough, you know, and, and many have. Yeah. But even as a Christian perspective, you know, the church has been going through suffering for the last 2,000 years. Well, that's true. Since the time of Jesus. Yes. You know, and, and here we in America, you know, America is a sheltered country. Very true. We've not had bombs falling on our shores. You know, we've not, not had— Not recently, the, anyway. Not recently. You know, we have <laughs> bombs going off within the shores, but not sent from another nation. Mm -hmm. You know, we've not had foreign troops come off in ships within the last mm -hmm. you know, our world wars and all that. But the Church of Jesus Christ has gone through immense suffering for their faith throughout the world. And, mm -hmm. and even in Egypt, I remember they, when we were there in Egypt, and, and the Coptic Christians have a little tiny cross on their wrist mm -hmm. that originally was put there by the Muslims identifying them as Christians. Mm -hmm. And they suffered a lot. And today it is a it is a mark of pride to have that. Mm -hmm. You know, all their children, they, when they're born, they have that cross tattooed on their wrist mm -hmm. as a sign, you know, I am a Christian and I believe in Jesus. And yes, and, and I'm not going to bow to the things of Islam. That's right, yeah. Because even, you know, through the, through the whole, uh, the former communist bloc and still going on like in, in, uh, in China and, and even Cuba and places that are, are communism, their belief is there, you know, there is no God 
as the way they know it, mm-hmm. you know. And so this Jesus thing, you know, so this is just fairy tales. It's this and that, and they persecute you. And yes. and one of the scariest things that could happen to you in the Eastern Bloc is if some you open your door and here's a Russian soldier or a KGB. communist soldier, KGB, with a hammer and sickle insignia mm-hmm. on his hat. Right. And you know, you may be, or somebody in your house is going to jail. Mm-hmm. A lot of times because you were a Christian. Or if you're a Christian, you would be, you could be sent to another city to work and, and hardships were placed on believers. Mm-hmm. And America does not know that. Yeah, it's but still happening many places in the young, world. Yeah, still happening. And we're, and you're getting a taste of it. Even if you're not even looking at Christianity, you're seeing suffering going on all sure, around us. Sure. We're seeing uproar in Europe like mm-hmm. nothing we've never seen since World War II. And people are going through immense suffering. It's I mean, true. Bombs are falling all over in uh, Ukraine and they're out of mm-hmm. electricity. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just amazing. And then bombs are falling. And, and this morning, one landed in, um, in Romania. A Russian oh missile landed in Romania. And just a few you know, days ago in Poland. And then in Poland. And so everything, it's just like uh, all the saber rattling, as mm-hmm. Sharon would, you would hear her say sometimes. <laughs> and, and Jesus said these things would happen. Mm-hmm. And then the early church went through all kinds oh, of suffering. My. Which Terrible. one of them was not martyred. Right. You know, I, I, they were all... They were all martyred, except for John, right. boiled in oil. Yeah, they tried to kill him. They tried to kill him. They didn't work. So he broke rocks then on the Isle of Patmos after mm-hmm. that yeah. in his older age. you know. And so who are we that we would be exempt from suffering? You know? Right. And so the purpose of this book was show that because Jesus, he, he's our example. I mean, we say we want to be like Jesus. <laughs> you know, we, we want everything he has for us. And even like Paul and I think it was it was Silas or it was a Barnabas when when the call went out, come over to Macedonia. But they didn't know that they're gonna be putting in the stocks after that mm-hmm. and you know and get beaten and all that. And that wasn't in the itinerary. <laughs> it wasn't in theirs. <laughs> it wasn't in theirs, but it was in God's. <laughs> and had they known they were gonna go through that, would they have the strength to say, I'm gonna do this? Right. You know, and even all their Many people of our organization have smuggled Bibles all through the Eastern Bloc and, and China, and China, you know, through Hong Kong and other ways too. And mm-hmm. and we've known many in the underground church, so suffering, hearing about it is nothing new right. for us. Right. I, I gave this uh, I gave this book to somebody when I first wrote it, and she said, "Suffering? I don't want to read that because you know some people just well, they've already suffered enough, like you said, but." Uh, one thing that I've been pondering as I've been thinking about doing this webinar, it's come to my attention in my heart that one of the reasons why there are so many atheists is because they can't wrap their heads around how God could be a loving God and still allow so much human suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's a legitimate question. Yeah. It's a legitimate argument about how could this be, except that they don't know him and they don't know his heart to understand Mm -hmm. that it certainly isn't that that God causes these things. Mm -hmm. But there's a principle in Romans 8.28 that God works all things together for good. Yeah, even for the state of Israel. 
you know, six million Jews oh, yeah. went to the concentration camp and were killed. And God and, wasn't behind that. No, God's not behind that. But God used that to, exactly. birth, to birth the nation of Israel from thousands of year old scriptures. Mm-hmm. And, and you pass. know, if, if, that, if the Holocaust hadn't happened, I don't think there would have been enough people behind it, enough nations behind it. But they were feeling guilty because they, they hadn't done anything to protect these innocent people that were mm-hmm. murdered by the Nazis. So they, these were like seed for the nation. Exactly. Exactly. But who wants to hear about suffering? Nobody wants to hear about no. suffering. But there's an eternal perspective that when we get this eternal perspective, it will help us to deal with suffering mm-hmm. and it'll help us to, uh, you know, just changing your perspective makes things look different. Yeah. So what was the inspiration you had to write this book? Well, it started long ago, <laughs> um, a little over 20 years ago. I had an experience that began to open up an understanding in my heart about God's heart about suffering and how he, how he views it, what it looks like to him. We want to see things from his point of view, if we possibly can, because his ways are higher than our ways. Yeah. So in this experience that I had, um, I had a dear friend that I hadn't seen for a number of years, and... Uh, we hadn't been in touch hardly at all, and the last time we had seen each other, it had been kind of a, it, not kind of a, it had been a rough, difficult, painful parting. Circumstances had happened, misunderstandings had happened, and um, we parted ways. And so I was going to be attending a conference near where she lived, and we agreed to meet there. And I was nervous. I presume she was also because, you know, so much time had gone by and time does heal wounds. That's for sure. So we we met at the door and I I hardly recognized her at first because we hadn't seen each other in so long. And then we found a place to sit down. And as soon as the music started, I found myself weeping, crying, just blubbering with boo-hoos and sobs. And and it was like, it was like God had taken a can opener and had gone into a compartment in my heart that I had closed up. Um, I, I didn't really grieve over the situation when it happened. I just kind of became stoic and went on. And I didn't really I didn't really process it. I didn't really deal with it. And all of a sudden, here it comes out in great big sobs of all the grief that I had had over losing my friend. And now we're here back together again. And, uh, you know, it was it was still uncomfortable because we hadn't really talked. We had it was time for the Time for the meetings to just start. Just met and walked in. And... Yeah, and we just walked in and found our places and sat down, and I started crying as soon as the music started. Well, the anointing fell, of course, when the music started. Well, then I began to have—no, my first thought was, oh, this is going to be a lovely, fun time with me blubbering through this whole conference. I just know I'm going to be a blubbering mess. I'm, I'm just going to be weeping the whole time. <laughs> And, and of course, that was, that was a thought from my flesh that, <laughs> that needed to be put down. But at, at, as that happened, I began to have a vision. And I saw 
like my my um, abdomen area, my midsection, and it was like something had gouged out a part of me, a part of my my flesh. Okay, it's really flesh. Um, and and in, in the in the vision, it was deeper than than what a person really has. Um, but it was it was a wound about the size of my big reference Bible. You know, about um, I would say two inches deep, and um, you know, the size of a big Bible. And it was kind of scooped on and sloping on all all four sides. I could see that at the deepest part of it, there was a layer of muscle that hadn't been harmed. But all along the edges, that that two inches deep and the sloping sides was just bloody and raw. And then as I watched, I began to see gold dust fall on that wound. And at the same time I'm seeing it, the worship leader says, I see gold dust falling. I thought, well, (laughs) there's a confirmation. I see it too. And it was filling, it was... Not, not it wasn't filling the whole depth of the of the wound, but I it was like it. coating it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it was like it was like coating it as though it as though it were molten, as though as though uh, liquid gold had been poured into a mold and it and it it had hardened. And so I didn't see anything raw. I didn't see anything painful anymore. And at at that point, I think I probably stopped crying because I'm busy watching what's going on here. And then I saw a great big red gemstone, the same size and shape as this wound. And it settled into that place that had been coated with gold as though it was, as, as though that gold part was a setting for this, yeah. for this uh-huh. gemstone. And it was just beautiful. And I dried my tears and all the pain and the grief had stopped and God had just healed it and, and replaced the, the part of me that had been cut away with this beautiful gem. And then, uh, you know, meanwhile, my friend and I are having a wonderful time together and just visiting and restoring the relationship. Later on in the conference, some days later, it was time for a, uh, an offering and I, by this time, I had given whatever I had, and I didn't, didn't have any more money to give. I said, Lord, I want to give something in this offering. And then I remembered, oh, I've got a gemstone. You know, it was in the spirit. I saw it in the spirit. Obviously, I, I didn't have a literal red gemstone in my tummy. I just had, um, I had this in the spirit realm, in the, the, something that I could see in the unseen realm. So I thought, well, I'm just going to do a little prophetic act here, and I'm going to go down to the front of the, of the meeting hall, and I'm going to take my little gemstone and lay it. It wasn't little. It was good-sized. Um, I'm going to lay it on the altar as a gift for the Lord. And so I did just that. I laid it on the altar, and as I did so, I saw another gemstone come out of the Spirit and co- go into that same setting, only this time it was a diamond. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a ruby red, I don't know if it was a ruby or a garnet or what, but it was a beautiful red gemstone that I gave, and in its place came a diamond. Well, I was really happy with that, and, 
and just, you know, we went on, we finished the the conference and life went on and uh, some months passed. And then we were in another event and it was offering time and I didn't have anything to contribute from money anyway. And so I said, Lord, I want to give in this offering. What do I have? And, you know, in the meantime, I had forgotten about the gemstone. I'd completely forgotten about it. I'd forgotten the incident. It just went out of my head. But in that moment, I was reminded, oh, I've got a diamond I can put into the, you know, <laughs> yeah. you do some silly things, it seems. It seems mm-hmm. they're silly, but they're, but they're acts of faith. Yeah. There's something that you do because you're prompted by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to give my diamond. And I went up and, and gave that in the offering. And the next thing, as I looked in the, the Spirit at my, at my own midsection where the diamond had been, it was all healed. Praise God. Amen. There, was, yeah. there was no trace. There was no scar. There was no anything. It's as though nothing had ever happened. And no hurt. No hurt at all. Yeah. And so as I pondered that experience, I was reminded of the song that is, I think they still sing it in heaven from what I've heard of people who've been there, um, Crown Him With Many Crowns by Matthew Bridges. It was written in the 1850s, and, and uh, the third verse says, Crown him the Lord of love. You remember how it goes? Crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands and side. Rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. Yeah. Yeah. So... I love that, love that song. I love that song. It's such a powerful song. Powerful. So he is the Lord of love. And uh-huh. in his love for us, he gave himself for us. Yeah. All of those things that he did for us, mm-hmm. the wounds that he took, yeah. are, are, they were horrific. But, yeah. he, but people that have been to, to heaven mm-hmm. or have seen him come on the earth Many, many of them testify of the wounds that they see in his hands still and in his feet. And those wounds, sometimes you, they, see, they see them as healed. Sometimes they see them as a scar. Sometimes mm-hmm. they see them as bloody and awful like they were to begin with. Because it depends what, what they're going through, maybe. Right. It depends on what they need to what see. What they need to see at that time. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And but many of them see them as glorified and yeah. beautified, and that's what began my my journey of paying attention. Mm-hmm. When I heard a story, or when I heard a testimony, or when I saw something in the scriptures, and I began to just collect little stories and experiences and scriptures, and and I just began to make notes and and so. Uh, in 2019, when I knew it was time to write this book, I gathered all the notes together and I said, okay, <laughs> Holy Spirit, help me. And he just helped me write this book out of all of those things that he had given me. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. It's been an amazing book because I've I've lived a lot of these experiences with you. Yes, you know, for you 40 have. years. And yeah, you know, when you're 40 years in ministry, mm-hmm. you know, you get, you get hurt by people, you get stepped on, you mm-hmm. get pushed aside. You know, and you go through stuff. 
Mm-hmm. But that's where you have to learn how to forgive. Right. And that's one of the, the biggest things is learning how to forgive. It's true. You're not holding bitterness mm-hmm. and, uh, in your heart. or Because right. that's easy to do. If someone hurts you, you know, it, it's hard to give up sometimes, mm-hmm. depending how much they hurt you. Right. You know, especially if it's a relation, love relationship mm-hmm. or something, too. Sure. You know, some things are easy to forgive, but some things are a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the stories that, that I relate in the book, um, I heard David Yonggi Cho tell this on a, on a YouTube video. He told the story of a man that was one of the pastors that, that worked with him or under him. And he had a wife that Dr. Cho thought was, was really ugly. <laughs> and he felt sorry for this pastor who, who had married her. But, but he, the pastor came to him and told him this story of how uh, he had died. His, first of all, his wife died. Mm-hmm. And four days later, he died. Wow. And God sent him back. But the story of what happened when he went to heaven, um, he, met the, he met the wife and he said, she was so beautiful. You can't imagine how beautiful she was, even though she had been really ugly on the earth. And, and he, he told the story of how she had asked for him to come so that he could go back and tell the children, mom's okay, mom's beautiful, and you're going to be okay, and Jesus is going to take care of you. And, and he had this wonderful experience, and then wow. God sent him back. So one of the things that he related when he was there was that he, she was walking on the path ahead of him, and he saw on the back of her head oh. that—let that, uh, l- me tell the backstory. The backstory was when they were newlyweds. They were Christians, and they were living with his father and working for his father in the rice fields, but his father was a Buddhist, and he didn't believe in this Christianity stuff, and he wanted them in the fields every Sunday along with every other day of the week. Yeah. But they determined they're going to put God first and they're going to go to church. Well, they went to church. They got home from church and the father was livid, absolutely livid. And as they're walking towards the house to go and change their clothes to go go back into the field, the father picked up a rock and flung it at the new bride, this this woman, Uh and hit her in the back of the head. And she carried a scar all her life from that incident. And so when they got to heaven, this this husband is looking at the back of his wife's head and he sees that the scar has been beautified. Wow. Uh-huh. And it it's like it's like a badge of honor in yeah. heaven. So we don't see things from a heavenly perspective enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. So can, can you explain how God has a higher point of view when it comes in our circumstances? Well, yeah, that's that's Isaiah fifty-five, just from from the from the Amplified. In verse eight, it says, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways," says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Mm-hmm. His ways are as high, high, higher above our ways mm-hmm. as the heaven is above the earth. Well. Even just the Milky Way itself, our yeah. our galaxy, is 
I don't remember how many light years it is, but it's something like it would take 100,000 years. If you could travel at the speed of light, <laughs> you could get across our galaxy. And there's trillions of galaxies, and all of them have billions of stars. Yeah. So how much higher are the heavens than the earth? Yeah. How much higher are his ways than our ways? They're just so very much higher. Mm -hmm. And if we would just relax and trust him, yeah. He has a way of turning all things together for good, working them for good. He didn't mm -hmm. inspire the the evil, you know, cuz the, the devil is always trying to hurt us. Yeah. He's if he if he can't get us to follow him, he'll at least make our life miserable. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, that's his goal. <laughs> that's what he tries to do, yeah. That's what he tries to do. Mm -hmm. But every single time that we recognize that our father and trust that our father has a higher way, Mm -hmm. If we'll begin to praise him yeah. and worship him and trust him and intercede for the one who hurts us instead mm -hmm. of getting angry and wanting retribution, yeah. um, if we'll forgive and, and walk the higher way, uh -huh. it's just always going to be better. Um, our, I'll just take a little bunny trail here. Our founder, I think the last book that she wrote uh, was the high way. way of forgiveness. Yeah. Uh -huh. And how important forgiveness is in the whole grand scheme of things. Yeah. Because all of these things that are done to us to cause us to suffer mm -hmm. are things that God will turn for good if we'll work with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's going to turn it for good anyway, because if we love him and we're called according to his purpose, well, all of us are called according to his purpose. There's mm -hmm. nobody that's not called according to his purpose. Yeah. But we have the choice to love him. Mm. He loves us. Yeah. And he wants to pour his love in us. He wants to transform our lives in his love. He, he, wants, he wants to lift us up out of fear because perfect love casts out fear. And he mm -hmm. is love. Yeah. Because even Paul said, all the gifts, you know, but the greatest of these is love. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And even Jesus said to the rich young ruler, you know, I've done all these things from my from my youth up, he gave him all the laws, you know, love the Lord your God and your parents and all that. And he says, but you lack one thing, sell everything you have and follow me mm -hmm. and you will have great treasure in heaven. Because mm -hmm. everything, everything you have on this earth, you can't take it with you. That's true. <laughs> it, does, it does not go with you. <laughs> you know, that, that reminds me of a funny story. Um, it's not scriptural, but I think it's a funny story of... Uh, some guy who who comes to the gates of heaven with a with a suitcase full of gold, and yeah. he says he says oh, he's, Peter met him at the yeah, gate. Peter, yeah, <laughs> supposedly Peter <laughs> takes care of the gates. I'm not sure that that's true at all. Uh, but but you know he's he's met at the gate and they're arguing about he he says God lets well God promised him he could bring this gold with him, and they're arguing back and forth. No, you can't bring that with you. And yes, I'm going to bring this with me. And and, so, and these two bystanders are watching this argument going on, and the one says to the other, what's the big deal? Why would he want to bring a suitcase full of pavement? <laughs> 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 it's a perspective issue. Yes. The things that seem so valuable on earth, uh -huh. as wonderful as they are, they're, they're wonderful enough that God puts them under our feet in heaven. It's looking for your... Your eternal perspective. Yes. Your eternal goals. Yes. And that's what this book is about. Uh -huh. It's about 
coming to grips with God's purposes Mm -hmm. and his intentions and what he has in his heart and uh, how how he has a destiny planned for us that is greater than we can imagine. We just have to um, fall in line with him and yield to him. Yeah. You know, Jesus is our example. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, we you know, we want to be like Jesus in everything we do, but but he was crucified, but he talks about in the scriptures, then he would be glorified. Even he said in John chapter 17, when Judas left, mm-hmm. you know, he says, now is the Son of Man glorified. Exactly. Just before he goes for his, uh, before his crucifixion. Right. And the disciples still at this point don't know what's going on. Very true. Very true. But that's the beginning of glorification. When Judas went out in the night, that was like the beginning. There's mm-hmm. like like a like a time, time series clock. of events. Then. Series of events. That was yeah. the first event. He went out into the darkness in order to meet with the chief priests and scribes and get the thirty pieces of silver and, and go and betray Jesus. And yeah. and that but that was the beginning of his glorification. Now is betrayal. the Son of Man glorified. It uh, began with betrayal. Betrayal. Now, how many times when we go through betrayal, do we ever ever consider that this is the beginning of a glorification? No, yeah, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't think, think that, that way. Yeah. But that that's how God's ways are higher than our ways. Yeah. His His glorification process often starts with with us being. Mm-hmm. persecuted or betrayed or some kind of a trauma, some kind of abandonment, some kind of abuse, persecution, all of these things, if we can see it from God's point of view, here is an opportunity for us to enter into glorification ourselves, which a lot of times that our glorification really starts when we allow our flesh to be crucified. Yeah. Because uh-huh. our flesh... Our flesh is at enmity with the spirit. Our flesh is ha- having a war. Mm-hmm. It's at war with the spirit. Well, you have in your book, you know, in chapter two, it's, uh, it came from your journal. It was back in 2005. It was a oh, message yeah. from the Lord that said, I bore for you. Yes. And I was just astounded when I, when I read this because mm-hmm. this just came right from the heart of God. And, and I'm just going to read two paragraphs of the beginning of it just to give you a little taste of what of what this chapter was. This is uh, Jesus, Spirit of the Lord, speaking to Sharon's pen. When I walked the earth, every unclean thing I touched became clean because I could not be defiled. In the same way, when you bring me your problem and you release it into my hands, the problem becomes transformed by my touch. The key is that you have to let it go from your hands into mine. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem to me once it becomes mine. It becomes the building block for the solution. It was only when I was in the Garden of Gethsemane and laid down my will in exchange for my father's that the process appeared to change, for I had to become sin to redeem you from it. And that's in Second Corinthians 5, verse 21. You know, so this, this goes on where you know, Jesus talks how he was defiled, how he was brought before the, the false court. You know, then he... And it's just like he bore everything that they threw at him, he, mm-hmm. the undeserved blows. And, you know, then before the religious leaders, then then he was uh, thrown into the dungeon at Caiaphas's house, then to Pilate and returned to Pilate. And it's just like the, 
the Lord just bore all these things. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can't I can't read this whole chapter. I'd love it, you know, but you have to get the book of the PDF because it's very and very powerful. When you read it, you see what the Lord did for us, mm-hmm. what he went through. And and actually I've prepared that so that if you if you'll send us an email to feedback at globaloutpouring.org, uh, I'll send you I'll send you a PDF of that chapter mm-hmm. that I bore for you that 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 tells all the things that he bore for us and yeah. and, and how everything that you've ever experienced mm-hmm. he already went through it and yeah. much worse than what mm-hmm. we've gone through yeah no matter mm-hmm. how bad the things have been that you've gone through Jesus went through worse he became sin for us wow wow that's so powerful everything everything he gave us so we would be able to to go through this process to have his glory to flow through us mm-hmm. because you know he's not going to pour his glory out through an unclean vessel well even even though he does pour his glory lots of times through unclean vessels he loves us enough to gl- to bring us into a place where we can be purified yeah yeah that's it wow just really awesome well i hope everybody enjoyed this this podcast you know, this is just a little peek into the into this book, and it's a real answer for, you know, if you're going through something right now, you're going through, you know, everybody is going through something. It could be through mm-hmm. your body. It could be circumstances at work. I don't know of anybody who's not going through anything. Mm-hmm. You know, That's it's true. just we, we live in a fallen world. We live amongst fallen people. We live amongst a fallen system. It's true. You know, it's like Kevin Zadai says, the, the system is made to work against you. Mm-hmm. You know, financially, always. It's just like, it's made, they make it so you can't get ahead. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Except from God's point of view, yes. he's working it so that you can't fail. Yes, that's it. And, and what, what looks like failure from the earth's point of view is victory in God's point of view. Yes. When we when we yield ourselves to Him, when we give ourselves to Him, when we give the circumstances to Him, He wants to bring healing, yeah. and and lots of times all of these things happen to us to increase something in us in our relationship with Him, because yes. there's there's something about going through pain and going through suffering, and the sweetness of the Lord's presence mm-hmm. is greater in those circumstances than it is. When you're going through, everything is going well, la-di-da, everybody's happy, circumstances yeah. are going well, and it might seem that God is far off. Yeah. Uh-huh. But but he's very close to us Yeah. when we're going through things. Yeah. It's then when we focus more on our problem and realize, you know, Jesus took care of this for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're we're crucified with him. Yes. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not, not I, I, but Christ, Christ lives in, in me. me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. He loves you, and yeah. he gave himself for you. He was crucified for you, yeah. and you are crucified with him. Yes. Amen. We don't have to go through the actual crucifixion that he went through. But we were in in the fact that our sins were nailed to the cross. Yeah, it's as though we were nailed to the cross with him, mm-hmm. because he loved us. Yes, Sharon, would you pray for our listeners? I would do that, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we lift up every listener, Lord. 
that one that has been going through some things, that one that is struggling with the pain, the physical pain or the emotional pain or just the the betrayal or the abuse, all of these things, Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would pour your grace upon each one. Pour your love upon each one. Pour that healing virtue that came forth as Jesus' blood was was spurting out and sprinkling the, the sprinkling the mercy seat, as it were, on our behalf to set us free from the from all of the, the things that are coming against us. Father, we ask you, Lord, just to pour. Pour the grace to forgive. Pour that healing virtue. Pour that healing grace, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that you would minister to each and every one from your heart, Lord. Let them see that you have not allowed this for for punishment for them. You've not allowed this because you're trying to teach them something because you're angry. No, you're not angry with them. You're walking through this with them. Yes, you want them to learn something. You want you always want us to learn something. But it's not the kind of lesson that comes because you're angry. It's the kind of lesson that comes because you want us to grow up in you. And Lord, we ask that you would just pour your grace on each and every one to receive from you the comfort and the assurance and the trust that they need to move forward in, in glory, that the glorification process will be worth everything that they've gone through. Yes. For that they will be glorified in, and put into the fullness of their destiny and that you will be glorified because they've cooperated with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. And do join us. We, if you're, if you're able, join us on this webinar. We'll put a link for the registration for it in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with His overwhelming, loving presence. <laughs>